You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into another episode of the Otson Audible's podcast. It's a Monday. I'm Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show, and unfortunately, Matt Prem takes a vacation early February. A lot to talk about, not on the show. We figured we needed a third leg here, third wheel, so to speak. So managing editor of Ducks Wire and the host of the Scoing Long podcast, which just debuted, what, a couple weeks ago? Zach Neal is here. I think it was about a month ago, yeah. Okay. Well, I can't remember. Timeline, everything moves so quickly. I was was like (laughs) one of your first guests. So whatever it was, I I have some recollection of it. Good to have you, Zach. I think this is your first time on uh, on our little podcast here. First time on the podcast, happy to be on. I actually had both of you guys on uh, my Going Long podcast, and to those to, to this date, those are two of the most recorded episodes we have. So thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. Our pleasure. I mean, we're we're just here to boost numbers, man. We'll we'll get you out of the gutter soon enough. <laughs> we're numbers boosters. Uh, today, it's a Monday. Usually we do mailbags on Monday, but we're we're switching it up. We're getting creative. The boss is on vacation, so we figured we'd throw something different at you. Uh, with with the 2023 signing class essentially intact and finishing up, gosh, about five days ago, uh, with with one with one addition, Roderick Pleasant in the in the spring, we figured we'd do something different. This is a debut podcast concept. Uh, we're this is a superlative signing day snake draft. Um, unfortunately, I just noticed our little faces are in the wrong order for how we're going to do this. I guess, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, Can you I guess, swap that? Uh, you know. Matt knows how to do that. I'm not as familiar. We're just gonna we're just gonna roll with it. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Totally, totally fine with me. The listeners sue us if you want. Um, but basically, the concept here is there's there's five superlatives we're using. We have the entirety of the 2023 uh, signing class to choose from. About 30 players, which is crazy to think about. Um, and you can only use each player once. We're gonna give Zach Neal the uh, honorary first position here to start because he is our guest. Uh, Jared will go second. I'll go third. Because I go third, I'll also start the next round, so I'll have a repeat of two picks. Mm-hmm. Again, I could only only each player is only used for once in one category only. Um, the five categories are we, we kind of just threw this together last night, so I hope you like these categories. I, I we all kind of noted the one of them is really tough. A uh, couple basics here: we've got immediate impact guys. That's one of the superlatives. We've got the sleeper pick. Those are pretty self-explanatory. We've got. What I've written down is most excited to watch with the football. Probably also pretty self-explanatory. The honorary Seven McGee category. There you go. He's, al- he's always that answer the last couple of years. Yep. The DeAnthony Thomas many years before that. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. a special teams category. Who's going to help on special teams, which I think is especially important considering what's been Oregon special teams issues the last couple of years. And then the, the fifth one I think we all kind of had a hard time with, which was the last one we picked. So we just kind of threw it together because it's fun is the who's going to be like the all PFF guy. Uh, from this from this class, I think that's the toughest one. So I'll be curious to see what the the strategy is. So um, so Zach gets to go first. He can pick any category at any player to fill that category. I will be keeping track and making sure we don't have any repeats. Jared will then go second. I'll go third and fourth, and, and we'll go from there. So Zach, without further ado, the first pick of the 2023 Austin uh, Audibles Oregon Signing Day uh, Superlative Snake Draft is yours. Man, that really just that rolled off the tongue for you, that title there. It, it was it really, so really good title. It felt so natural. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I am really excited to have the first pick. Thank you for giving it to me as the guest because I'm happy to take this player away from Eric. He's the one who turned me on to him. I'm taking my immediate impact player is Kenyon Sadiq. Um, Mm. I think that I know you guys have talked on the podcast. I've talked on my podcast about how tight end is really a, a still a need for Oregon. There's only three scholarship players right now. There's they're probably going to add someone via the transfer portal uh, later when the window opens in May. But because of that depth, I think that Kenyon's in a position where he could really step up and actually have a role as a true freshman. I don't know that there's many people in this signing class that could actually see, you know, a lot of the field as a true freshman, but he's someone that I could really see, you know, having a role in this offense with the way that, you know, we knew how Kenny Dillingham used tight ends, but not really Will Stein yet, but we think it's going to be somewhat similar. So uh, we've seen his game tape. I'm really excited to, to watch him in an Oregon uniform. And I think that he could be someone that really, really has a, a big impact on the team this year. He was uh, number one on my board as well. That would have been my number yes. one overall pick too. Just FYI. Yes. I have I have a question on the on the rules. Just a clarification. I, so I when Niels used Sadiq, that's it for everybody. No. Yeah. You, you, you couldn't use Sadiq for most exciting or uh, special right. teams ace or PFF. Yeah. Anything else? Okay. And he doesn't qualify. You he doesn't qualify for biggest sleeper. Which, by the way, I don't. Did we say on the podcast only four or five stars? You can't do three. You can use only three stars for the biggest sleeper. Only three stars, not four or five. Not four or five. Yeah. Right. Eric, were you going to use him as the immediate impact or somewhere else? I was going to use him. He was the top of my immediate impact board, and I was that was okay. where I was hoping to go. Pick three. So yes. now we now we. I'm pivot. very happy that I got it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, good start, Jared. Now it's up to you to spoil my draft board even more. <laughs> yeah, this is tough. There needs to be some strategy in this because once I use somebody who might yeah. be a top pick for another another board, yeah, this is tough. I think I'm going to go with my number two overall selection here in the Impact Edition, Johnny Cornelius, Rhode Island. I think he's going to be an immediate Hold on, hold on, hold on. You said was, we're breaking rules here. I thought it was prep only. You said prep and Juco to me last night. Oh, but he's not Juco. He's not Juco. He's Rhode he's Island. He's a transfer. Okay. Yeah, right, Sil- right. Sil- Sil- apologies. I'm trying to break to allow, uh, That was to allow Silva to be included, who I think is also a, a worthy candidate for that particular category. I'm breaking rules again. My bad. Because Cornelius <laughs> is just like, boom, that's a. That He's was, an impact I mean, guy. I'll take yeah. Jordan Birch then. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> okay. All right. Then I'm going to. Oh, man. It makes it tough. Yeah, I'm going to save. I'm going to save a pick potentially here. Uh, I'm going to go with Blake Purchase. And he's my guy. I've been mm. sticking to him to the very end. Um, I think he's an impact ad because it's an edge position. And Oregon, while deeper now at edge, um, still has a lot of question marks behind Jordan Birch. I mean, yeah, you have Mace Funas, most likely the backup. That's my guy in the defensive too deep. Um, but after him, where, where does it come from? And I think Oregon's going to have a really good battle between guys like Purchase, guys like Amarion Winston, um, maybe if Jake Shipley moves back over to edge. Uh, Anthony Jones, who's a freshman last year with Winston, um, I think purchase, if you watch his film, you kind of wonder what, the, why the gap is so high in his online uh, on his 24 seven sports recruiting profile, because the top two, four, seven has him, I think as a top 140, top 150 player in the country, while the composite has him in the mid two hundreds, like bottom 200. So there's a huge gap there, but once you watch his, his skill set and you watch how he runs on the field and you watch his movements and his production value, um, He's a dude. I, I think he he steps up and makes an immediate impact right away at Oregon. 
I like the pick. Uh, I didn't have him in my top four of my immediate impact guys, to be honest with you. But uh, I, was, I was hoping to snag him in another category later. Um, so I get, to do, I get two picks now. Um, and I wasn't expecting both of them so, to be So, here. Jared, in other words, Eric likes the pick, but he hates the pick because he was nowhere on his board. Yes. That's, that's good. <laughs> that's, that's good sub-commentary by Neil. Uh, <laughs> my most excited to watch with the football is where I'm going to go with, and I'm just going to take uh, Jur- Jurion Dickey off the board. Uh, that removes the top candidate for a couple other categories. It does. Uh, and it's also, yes, it, does. I, it was also my top pick on most excited to watch with football guy. <laughs> uh, so I'm very excited about that. And then special teams ad, I, I feel like I'm cheating here, but I'm going to take the punter they just added. Uh, Luke? I had, a, I had a question about him. Do we even yeah. know what year he is? Is he uh, prep? Yeah, I was unsure. Is that, okay. Can I be honest? I, uh, I, I had to look yes. up and make sure I had his first name right before we recorded this just to make sure. <laughs> oh, come on. It, well, Luke Dune. <laughs> I think it's, it looks like, I don't know. Is it Dune? Is it done? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. know. Whatever. Um, we'll find out in spring. But, I didn't uh, know he was real for like a week. So it's okay. <laughs> well, that's, that, that's why, that's why <laughs> I still don't think he is. Yeah, that's why he's he's. I feel like such a, 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 a there's so little known about him. Like you know, I, I guess it comes down to me here to maybe try to get him on the phone because I was able to get good old Tom Snee on the phone after he signed oh, with yeah. Oregon. From, I might I might maybe that's a, an exercise I'll, I'll get working on here after the podcast. But no, I I mean I expect he's probably going to be their their punter. I mean considering how terrible everything else went this last year, they have no scholarship punters on roster. They've added him on scholarship. Seems very likely he's a contributor, and then as I said with Dickie, like that's a I take the five star off the board for you guys. Plus, I get my top pick for most excited to watch with the football. Um, all right, Jared, back like to you. It. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm, I'm I'm happy. I like that too. one. Special teams ace, jumping right into it. Yeah, Roderick Pleasant. Uh, that was my number two. Yeah, I yeah, I, was my I have one. no idea if he'll be a special teams ace, but he's just. He's he's got the best skill set to do it. He's really quick, really fast, north south. That's exactly what you need in a gunner. Um, I think we should rename this to the Hockey Woods Award um, because he was he was that guy. He was a wonderful gunner for Oregon back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. And if you get that out of Roderick Pleasant, that's going to be perfect. Um, I just thought that he was, I don't know, of, of of the of what I have left for. I think that was like my my best my best go. I think I mean, we're already down to special teams aces here on uh, on this well, on this podcast, but I think other, it's a perfect pick. No well, offense. he he was number two on my board, and why I also think it's good is definite return guy skill set based mm-hmm. on tape. Yeah, he was a really good mm-hmm. uh, returner at. Uh, it, I can't pronounce the name of the school he went to. Sierra Unipero. Unipero yeah, Sierra. Yeah. yeah. That school, <laughs> sure. It's a really good. It's a really good school down in Southern California that's produced a ton of talent. But it's he Gardena. was. He, it's in Gardena, and he was an excellent return man there. So I like that pick a lot. He was he was actually when I conceived the the, the category, I was like, that's who I thought of. Gross. And I was like, wait, there's a there's a there's a there's a punter on the, the team as well who will probably help us. All right, yeah, Zach, Jared. Uh, if you did not, Jared, if you did not take him, he was going to be my my very next pick. So good on you to to steal that one from me. All right, Zach, you get to. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with my game breaker with the ball. I'm going to go Dante Dowdle. Um, I think mm-hmm. that based on – I don't know how much playing time he's going to get because that running back room is really stacked. But um, 
Pina, I think he take like Ryan from James because I think James would be elevated a little to more of a, a every down back roll instead of that 14J package. But um, you know, based on Dowdle's tape from high school, I think that he's you know could be a really, really, really good player down the road in Oregon and. Before we clarified the the long term sleeper was non blue chip players, he was going to be my answer for that too because I think that he's going to have a, a really great career at Oregon. I can see that happening. So, yeah, he's my someone that I can't wait to see just what he does at the college level when he gets the ball in his hands. I think that's a really strong pick. Big fan of his fame uh, film. So, and then hmm. it, gets, it gets tough right here, man. These are the hardest categories. I think. I think. I think I'm going to go with my guy that PFF will love. Oh, okay. I think it's going to be Dalen Austin. I think that Ah, he's going to be a really... Yes, I love it. I love that reaction from you guys. That was was my guy. Uh, I'm excited to see him. I think he's another another true freshman that, you know, might get a little bit of run as a a rotational player in that that secondary. So um, I think that... Maybe I'm buying into the hype and the propaganda because uh, his, you know, <laughs> commitment video with the interview from Dan Lanning talking about how much he wanted him and how much he had to have him. I saw that. I was like, yeah, I'm in. I think this guy's going to be really good. So, uh, and, you know, we could get into determining what PFF actually loves. I don't know. That's kind of a crapshoot, but I think he's going to be a really good player. And um, I think he'll hold his own in the secondary. Well, I'll note that PFF liked Oregon secondary a lot more than we liked Oregon secondary this last year. So it it stands to reason that PFF would like anyone in the secondary based upon this last season where, again, like on defense, I basically PFF thought everyone Oregon secondary was good and everyone everywhere else was not. (laughs) I have to say I had Dalen Austin was my number one PFF guy. After oh, I realized yes. that we're no longer doing transfers, in this. and so I had Dale and Austin <laughs> as my number one. Um, I honestly I picked him because of his size and his speed. I, I mean, he's uh, we talked about how fast Roderick Pleasant is, and he don't get me wrong, he's he's very quick. Dale and Austin is fast in his own right, and he's two inches taller, and he weighs a couple more pounds. Um, I think he's like if I had to, you know kind of gun to my head. He's probably the more likely freshman of the two to jump into the rotation just because of his size already. But um, I thought that was, yeah, that was a clear guy for my, for the number one, for the PFF, the nerd, the nerd category. I'm going to be struggling for that one later. Where are you going with your yeah, I was happy there? to get that out of the way. Yeah. Hmm. There's one name on the board that's still massive. Yeah. But I don't know where to put him. Exactly, because we can't we can't do two of, of each category, right? No, no, I, we yeah, didn't no. do a wild card category, which maybe in future drafts we can do, where you can do like a six that's just wherever. But yeah, we well, that. yeah, I think I I think I got one here. I'm gonna right. go with the the guy I'm most excited to watch touch the football, and in this case, catch the football. I'm going with Mateo Uyunglele. Oh, there is the off chance that our dear friend Will Stein. <laughs> From okay. UTSA, go Roadrunners, meet me. Okay. Uh, we'll put Mateo Uyunglele in the tight end position. Zach Neal, you talked about um, how the tight end position needs to be filled in this offseason. Maybe you're looking at it. Maybe Mateo is going to be a two-way guy. The Shohei Otani of the Pac-12, Mateo Uyunglele. Now, this was a kid <laughs> who did play tight end in high school and is, yeah, I don't know what he's listed at, but he's probably, you know, like 6'6", 250 pounds. Um, yeah, 6'5", 265 on his 24-7 page. That's tight end height and weight, if you ask me. 
Um, Sadiq is more of a pass catching tight end, which we went over earlier. And Mateo could be somebody who, I don't know, does both. We'll find out. I wouldn't want to do it, but that's my pick. Jared's got uh, Jared has young concrete going to offense. I like it. Young uh, concrete. Great name, by the way. That is his. I think it's his, his rap. Uh, his rap name. Uh, that that disappoints me. There was that was a very easy pick for my immediate impact guy, which I was hoping to address right now. So that throws me for a bit of a loop. Um, <laughs> I get two picks here, so I'm gonna just take my top sleeper off the board. Um, it's been since I went and watched him at Sheldon High School. Somebody I've been really mm. excited about, and that's Tatum Tuioti. Um, I oh, I see. I I he composite. Yeah. Okay. Oh, should we? Are we not going composite? Are you trying to take him? For, are you taking him off the board as a four star because he's a four star on the twenty four seven? Well, Eric, let me ask you a question. If you were to write a Tatum Tuioti story, would you write him as a three or a four star? I, I've always used the composite, which was actually the reason uh-huh. that I got into. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. And, and <laughs> let's just say a family member of an Oregon signee who's no longer with the program, and I got into a real argument about how I was. I'll tell you guys who it is off off camera. I, 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 they jumped <laughs> they jumped in my DMs when I classified this player as a four star, even though they were a five star on our site. And then we had a long argument about it. And I said it's consistency, so I used the composite. I um, remember that story. Yeah, I yeah, always I go with whoever's highest. <laughs> yeah, I try to, one. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, maybe I should, but I I'm just no, no, no. We'll, we'll let you keep it. I think okay. it's a good pick. Okay, yeah, no, I, go for it. He was on my board too because I saw yeah. that he was a three star in one of them. I was like, all right, I'll take it. I, I, I think, uh, you know, it, everything I've heard, and I hear a little bit more is because he's local, is just really positive about character of who he is, but also just how explosive and dynamic he is. Again, this is long-term sleeper, so I don't anticipate he has much of any role probably in the first year, maybe even the first couple. Um, but this is a player who I think can be really explosive off the edge. Uh, he's only about 225, 230. He looks it like he looks pretty lean, but... I think a couple of years from now, you could be looking at a game wrecker who's in the 250 range and, and somebody who could really be an impact guy. So I'm, I'm really high on Tatum. And again, I talking to some of the 24-7 sports recruiting uh, West Coast guys, uh, you know, it was I think it was Brandon Huffman who told us, like kind of, I don't want to say off records, I don't think I'm breaking any uh, trust here because it's not like a story that's really wild. But just like Brandon basically said, it's very rare that you talk to uh, coaches and seven-on-seven seven people around the state of Oregon, there's a consensus with the top players that they're really good. And he said, this is one of the first guys in a handful of years, going back to, um, I think, Talanoa Funga, that this everyone in the state's like, yeah, that guy's a, that guy's a guy. So uh, there's a lot of buzz around Tatum about what he can be. And I think it's not surprising that he did move up to a four-star on the 24-7 side of things. But on the composite, he still qualifies, uh, and I'm taking yep. him for my sleeper. Real quick before you move on, he's someone else that I think could potentially switch over to tight end as well. I mean, he played tight end at Sheldon a little bit, and I think that you know, if we're going back to that, so we that have a same new conversation of, of filling needs. Yeah, who's the most dynamic <laughs> player? Most likely to play tight end. Yeah, I think it should be who's most likely that. to play tight end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've Cole, seen Cole he's got Martin, some, some pass catching skills, so. <laughs> You're going to pick Cole. I'm going to pick Austin Novosad as most likely to play tight end. Um, <laughs> gosh, so I've got immediate and PFF left. Yep. Makes it tough here because I'm not competing with you guys for immediate impact, guys, but you could take that player in a different category. Um, right. Sort of. 
I don't think you're going to take my guy. I think he's going to be there. So I'm going to, I'm going to avoid using that guy. Uh, and I'm going to go with my, my PFF. Mm. Um, oh, you took, ah, you guys are taking all the good PFF people too already. Gosh, this is tough. This is tough. Um, all right, screw it. I'll do it. Um, I, I, I think sometimes PFF really favors uh, people who are really good at one thing, and I expect this person to be really good at one thing. Um, so I'm taking Ayapani Lalalu yes. as my PFF oh. because I think he's going to be an absolute road grader, and he's going like, to be like a 93 on run blocking and probably not great <laughs> everywhere else because I do have nothing else. Yeah. But, like, uh, I – you guys took all the PFF guys I liked, not all of them. He was like fourth on my board, um, but a lot of the other guys have already gone off. And I, I was just looking around at who might be left, and I have him down. I have Novasad down. It's hard to pick a quarterback without really knowing, I guess, exactly like if he'll ever play. Um, and I guess I don't know if Pani uh, will either. But uh, just watching his tape, I came away thinking like he's pretty damn technically sound. He is a brick wall. Um, legitimately about as wide as an offensive lineman. Like, it's cartoonish almost how wide he is. He's yes. huge. And, and uh, I think at some point he gets on the field and he's a really good run blocker. And PFF is like, he's a 93 run blocker and maybe he's not great everywhere else. But PFF's going to really like his run blocking. So I will I will take Ayapani there. And uh, and now I only have to find an immediate impact guy. I'm, I'm, I'm on the, 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 the step stones of the finish line here. You really Was that your second? Yeah, you've got one more pick, but not now, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, no. It's so I've got problem. my last two here, right? Uh, Jared gets to go. First. I'm going first, and then you have your last oh, two. Oh, that's what it is. And then is. I got one more. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Um, this is a tough one. I have Sleeper and PFF guy. It's a tough one. I'm trying Jared, to think of. Jared, would you like it if I threw it to a break? Would that give you time to think? I think we should throw it to a break regardless, but yes. All right, and we're going to take a break from this episode of the Odds and Audible's podcast to give Jared an extra 15 seconds to think. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Yachts and Audible's podcast. Jared, you've had ample time to make a decision. The clock is still on mm-hmm. you. Um, we don't actually have a clock, but I guess you could you, I guess you could take an hour if you wanted. Please don't. Um, we've got other things <laughs> yeah, to do. Please today. We, don't have, we don't have enough time. Um, really, I'm, I'm thinking about which person I could make a more compelling argument for, for no one's you know, purpose except for the listeners and YouTube. So I, I know you guys don't care about it. Um, I'm going to go sleeper pick here. Okay. I'm going to go Solomon Davis. Ooh, I like it. 
a athlete prospect, according to 24-7 Sports out of Southern California. Uh, Davis was a late addition to the class. Uh, he's listed at six feet, 185 pounds. Um, I'm, I'm still not entirely sure where he's going to be playing this next year. Uh, he played wide receiver in high school and he played cornerback in high school. Um, either way, I think those are good spots for him to land. I think he has the length. I think he has the speed. I think he has the athleticism to grow into one of those roles. Um, with the numbers at cornerback and the numbers at wide receiver, it would probably make more sense for him to enroll as a wide receiver. Then you get a six foot, six foot, 185 pound true freshman receiver. Um, I think it's a good pickup. I, I know that his primary recruiter was Demetrius Martin. So that makes me think maybe it's a cornerback or a safety position, which is where my superlative comes in here for the sleeper pick. <clears throat> I think Solomon Davis, if he sticks at safety, depending on the numbers, I think he could become somebody who's an, who's an impact guy down the down the road. I'm saying year two, year three, mm -hmm. just because of his length and his size. Um, I think becoming a safety is an automatic, like oh, this guy could just jump right in and play center field for Oregon and just go and run down passes and just jump and try to try to bat the ball down. So um, I like him. I think he's a three star. I think he's a top 700 player in the country. Um, I think it's a good pickup for Oregon. I think that he could be somebody in year three. Could also be a nickel. I, I think could also be a nickel possibility of that yeah i, I yeah I, I i thought he was so under the radar that he totally i mean he's like the definition of a sleeper because he signed on signing day after oregon landed some five stars one of which didn't sign <laughs> and no nobody noticed or, or really paid any attention to it it was just a total afterthought no. um so yeah that's probably genuinely jared that might be the first time we've mentioned his name on a podcast <laughs> Yeah, it's probably like the second or third. I feel like we probably mentioned him like on the signing day podcast. I don't know if we did. I think there was so much going on with Peyton Bowen and Mateo and, and all of that that we might have just glossed over him entirely. Well, if you're a listener out there and you'd like to si siphon through all of the podcasts that we've done in the last yeah, couple please. weeks, please <laughs> yeah. let us know. Uh, give us a word count on how many times I say um, and then and then we'll just keep going on the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. And, and don't forget to ask Matt about his, his tattoo sleeve on his mm -hmm. right arm. That's something we need you to yeah. do. The, the sleeve on his right arm, please. We'll tell you Neil, about you've that. seen it. You know. Yeah, totally. Same with James's leg tattoo, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There's some, yeah. there some surprising tattoo aficionados in the Oregon beat right now. Surprises people. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and the Oregon coaching staff, if you want to get there. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very true. That's even more notable. Yeah, not wrong. <laughs> we don't need to get there. But <laughs> all right, Zach, Damn, uh, please. <laughs> let's, let's get this back on on track. Uh, all right, got one. My left. final yeah. two picks. Two picks, right? Yeah, I got right. long term okay. sleeper yeah. and special teams ace. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start with long-term sleeper. I'm gonna go with Jerry Mixon, linebacker Jerry Mixon. I think mm -hmm. that um, if we're talking about positions of need, tight end, and I think linebacker somewhere else that they could also, you know, stand to add a player or two because they're not completely deep and filled up there. But you know, he's got good size on him. He's I think six two and a half, two twenty. Um, lower rated player when you look at just in terms of this class because it's a, a pretty nice class, but. I like him. I think I like his mobility. He's got pretty good high school tape. I think that he's someone that could come in and, you know, with coaching from Dan Lanning and Tosh Sapoy, I think he could actually have a, a pretty nice career at Oregon. And I don't think that he'll get on the field much in, in year one or maybe even year two, but I think down the road, he's going to be a nice player. I like that pick. I had, I had Mixon as um, a special teams ace. I, I, he's, I he's another quick guy. Too. 
And, yeah. you know, he used to play running back. He's kind of a bowling ball out there on the field and feel like he can get down the field and <laughs> lay some wood out there. I like that pick. He was, uh, he, he was on the list for my sleepers, but I, I got my favorite guy, so I didn't have to debate too much. But good pick. Who was your sleeper again? I forget. Tatum too. Oh, it was Tatum. What do you have left there? Impact? I have immediate impacts. So, all right. See what happens. Let me get my special teams and then you can get your uh, your immediate impact. My special teams ace is Cody DeCambra. I think that he's someone who, quick, got a nose for a football. He's, you know, I don't know that he's going to get too much into the safety rotation, but he's someone that I see you know, really excelling in special teams and getting some tackles there and making some plays and then proving that he's, you know, he needs to have a role in year two. You know, he's someone that I think is a pretty highly rated player out of uh, Las Vegas. And um, I'm, I'm just pretty excited to see what he can do. And he's someone that, yeah, I really see fighting for a spot and, and making it so that coaches have to keep him on the field in whatever way that they can. It's a good pick. Another good one. Yeah, no, I, I think we see so frequently guys, as you said, make impacts on special teams, and that's a, 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 a sign of things to come on, on defense in another role. So, and the camera is somebody who I know people are really high on in the recruiting industry, um, mm-hmm. but it's put a, a ton of work to get where he is, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. That's a guy I also, uh, if he qualified, would have considered for the long-term sleeper just because I think it's unlikely he has much of any role early, but by the end of his career, I, I think he'll be an impact guy on defense too. Mm-hmm. All right. What do I got? I got, I got PFF guy. You sure do. I sure do. I think this is pretty easy. I'm surprised this man is still on the board. Um, George Silva. PFF guy. <laughs> Eric, I knew that was your man. As soon as you started. God, that, was, that, that was my, imp- that was my immediate impact guy to finish up with. Yeah. I'm sure it was. Um, Silva, top five player in the country out of the JUCO ranks, number one offensive tackle in the country out of the JUCO ranks. Um, It'll be interesting just because Adrian Clem left right before we started to record this podcast. So that happened. But anyways, uh, Silva, I mean, he's really good. I really like his tape. He kind of mauls people. I know it's at the JUCO level, so you kind of take it with some grain. Um, But Oregon's had their great share of success in recent memory, getting JUCO uh, offensive linemen. Malasala Almawaba Lalu, uh, and you have TJ Bass. Well uh, done. You, you have, oh, thank you, thank you. I've been practicing. <laughs> um, you have some real guys, and I think Silva is is right up there with with uh, Big Sala. I mean, Sala's tape at uh, I forgot where he went to junior college, but that was really fun to watch because he just absolutely annihilated people. But Silva moves really well. I expect him to really compete for one of the tackle spots. Um, he's got good size too at six seven two ninety five. Eric and I we've talked about this on the podcast before about how last year, other than Josh Connerly, Oregon did not have any tackle body types. Well, this year they'll have a couple guys coming in, and Silva is going to be one of them. So, I would expect him to compete with Johnny Cornelius, my first round pick, um, and Josh Connerly, and a couple other guys for the either starting tackle or backup tackle. Ah, it would have been such a good pick for my immediate impact category. It would have been such a good immediate impact. Have, to, 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 well, especially you took him took him earlier over. Uh, well, I was I looking up at the board and I was thinking <laughs> that was the only pit place he'd land because he wasn't going to be. I was pretty sure he wasn't going to be uh, Zach's uh, sleeper pick because that wasn't a, a possibility. He couldn't be a special teams pick, so only spot he could land was. I was being strategic. I thought, 
by taking my PFF guy to then be able to maybe take my immediate guy because Zach couldn't take him and you were the only person who could and I wasn't sure what you would do there. I was taking a flyer. I thought, the odds were, I, thought the, I thought the odds were decent he'd be there. I was thinking I had plus odds there that he'd be there still. Um, this is really challenging now. This is the mystery irrelevant of our of our draft here. This is the last pick. Um, <laughs> we're only this, this, by the way, we didn't know how long this is going to take. We've only gotten 30 minutes and because there's some Clem moot, Clem news. I think we might want to take a little bit of time after this, Zach. If you have some, a little bit of time after, happy to. Yeah, jump in, jump into that after we uh, after I finish my pick here, and then we kind of recap our draft and, and maybe go over some final thoughts. Um. Oh boy, I the thing is, there's not a lot of guys who I actually have a, a clear path to being immediate impact players that are remaining on Oregon's list. So now I try to identify who that could be. And I'm going to go with some of the defensive line because frankly, I don't really mm-hmm. see candidates anywhere else. And I really like some of these defensive linemen. Can I take like four guys and just take the the, the best of those? No, uh, you can. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was going to say, you can take four guys and combine them together. How about that? Yeah. So in that case, I will take uh, a player named uh, Johnny Bowens, Ashton Porter, Amari Washington, Terrence Green. Uh, that's one yep. player. I like it. Yeah. Wow. I, I, out of that group, I'll, I'll, yeah, and so, well, if you combine all of his recruiting ranking numbers up, he is the best recruit of all time. Uh, Even better than Trevor Lawrence? Are you sure? I don't know. Well, yeah, if you add up uh, Arch Manning. The, the score, he's actually oh, true, like that, that player is like a 3.43 as, as opposed to these guys with 0.989s. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, go with, uh, I'll go with Johnny Bowen. He's the most highly rated of the group. Yeah. Um, I think that he's also the most – clearly defined of like I, I think I think he's playing same place doorless plays more than likely um uh, based upon size and kind of position he's played in high school probably going to be a, a defensive end uh, could he push Trevin Ma'ai to be the backup and then parlay that into a starting role the next couple of years top 220 player in the country big recruit out of out of Texas so I'll go Johnny Bones I he wasn't on my board um, when I started this exercise, because uh, I thought I was going to take immediate impact early, and then it just kind of fell to me in a way that I, I really like how I started. I don't know how, because I got my three top guys on my board uh, at, at sleeper, most excited to watch with the football and special teams, but then I really had to sort of stretch it here um, for my last two with, with PFF and immediate. Um, all right, you want to recap these and we kind of give some thoughts and then we'll run to some Clem stuff? Sure. How's that work for you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach. I want you to grade your draft after after we uh, after oh, we God. This. Maybe we all go around and grade the drafts. We just go ahead and read the okay. jerks. All right, exactly. <laughs> for, grade for ourselves. Immediate. Yeah, grade ourselves. As as Dan Landing says, it's important to you know to that's all one right. of his tenets is is uh, self self scout self scout. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're gonna self scout your your team here in a moment, Zach. Uh, for immediate impact player, you have Kenyon Sadiq, which is an awesome start. Uh, for biggest sleeper, you have Jerry Mixon. I think a really nice pick as well. Uh, most excited to watch the football, Dante Dowdell. Another good one. Special. You've got a good team. Dang it, Zach. We shouldn't have let you pick. First. You let me go first. You let me go first. Well, I, like I, go, I, like going, I like going third because I like having the, yeah, the control. Yeah, hot corner, but it yeah. screwed you uh, in the end. You tried to get cute. Uh, with I, think, I think my team's pretty darn good, but I, I think, yeah, you might, you might have me here. Special teams, Cody DeCambra, and then PFF, you have Dalen Austin. Give yourself a grade. Reflect. What did you like? What, did you, what were you disappointed with here? I'm going to go a minus. I really, if I could have found out a way to get Roderick Pleasant as my special teams guy, I think it would have been a perfect, perfect draft. But uh, I got snaked a little bit on that one. So 
Uh, no, I'm happy with it. I was, I was, as soon as you told me last night that I was going to get the first pick, I was like, all right, we're going immediate impact. We're going Kenyon Sadiq. Like that's just send the ticket in right there. Um, but no, I'm, I'm happy to get uh Dowdle on the team. I'm happy to get Jerry Mixon, Cody. Um, I think it's a good team. I like it. I'm, I'm happy with the, the draft strategy today. Yeah, no, I think, I think you deserve some credit. The strategy was solid. Picking first does help, but uh, you, you address all the yes. positions. Like genu- genuinely, my board here, you had guys I liked at every spot besides the special teams one. Like mm-hmm. I had all those guys near the top of my board. So good work. Uh, Jared, Thank you. let me run through Hello. yours and, and you can give me a, your own self-scout here, <laughs> your own evaluation. You had yeah, of course. Uh, Blake Purchase as your immediate impact. You had Solomon Davis as your sleeper. You had, and this is a crazy pick. This is still the pick of the day. Uh, Mateo Uyunglele as the most excited to watch for the football. <laughs> Jared, breaking <laughs> news. Mateo will be playing mm, yeah. tight end or or just regularly involved on defense with plays where he has possession somehow, which would be. I mean, tell me you wouldn't be excited to watch Mateo run around the field. I, I also it's would true. be excited if he was on defense and just picked the ball up and ran it for a touchdown. So I guess that qualifies, right? Okay. Uh, special teams ace, you had Roger Pleasant, which was a really nice pick. Mm. And then PFF, I'm still salty about this because this was my immediate guy. He snaked for me right at the end, George Silva, the, the Juco offensive tackle. How would you grade it? What do you think? I think I give myself like a B, maybe a B plus. Um, I'm, I'm I'm actually kind of happy with my draft. I still think that that Neil, I think you had a much better draft than I did. Um, yeah, I think I put myself in a good position with purchase as my first pick. I decided to draft low, kind of like like a like a baseball strategy where you draft some guy, you you pay him a little under slot, you save money for later rounds, and you use it then. Um, I really like my Roderick Pleasant as a special teams. I'm sticking mm-hmm. with Solomon Davis. I think he can be somebody. Um, George Silva, I think, was was the steal of the century. Um, and I, I had two guys who I picked right from you two. So I think, yeah. you know, it's a B in, in, in general in the grading, but in my mind, it's an A+. Plus. I just stole two guys right out from both of you. <laughs> that was actually going to be my analysis. I think you might have, of the three teams, the weakest team, but you also stole guys from both of us that make us both really mad. So like yeah. that's an A plus day. That's why I'm here. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't see how what I'm else gonna be the Miami do. Heat. I'm not gonna chaos. win anything, Just but I'm gonna piss chaos. You off. Yeah, yeah, you're the chaos agent of this <laughs> of this staff. No, I I, mm-hmm. I I genuinely have not gotten over not being able to take Silva as my immediate impact because as I'll get to with mine, I, I have the weakest immediate impact and debatable where my PFF is. I think I nailed the other three categories, so I feel really, really good mm-hmm. about the sleeper most excited to watch football and special teams ace categories, but uh Johnny Bones is immediate impact guy. Genuinely wasn't on my board. Had four or five names written down. <laughs> All of them got picked elsewhere. And uh, and I kind of uh, had to sleep in the bed I made for myself there because I did save that category for last. And and because of it, I, I ended up with someone down the further down the board. So that's on me. Uh, sleeper Tatum Tuioti, loved that pick. I thought that I think that's to me that was who I had to top my board there. Most excited to watch the football. Jurion Dickey, that also took him out for other categories that you guys could use, which I thought was important. Uh, special teams, Luke Dunn, again, I think that's a no-brainer. Guy's literally going to be oh, – I mean, if he's not the punter this year, that's good? Bad? Then who I is? Don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Bad. That means somebody else – that means he's either really bad and no one else is good or somebody else took a huge step. But I don't – based upon what yeah. we saw this year, I'm very skeptical that's the thing that happens. Um, he's not on scholarship, is he? Luke Dunn's on scholarship. Basically. Luke Dunn is, is on, he on scholarship. scholarship? Okay. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah, he better Allegedly. be good then. He better be the punter. Yeah. I, uh, although I have never seen him, I've never seen tangible or, or non tangible evidence of him kicking a football. 
Yeah, it's we've never actually we've, we've never, never actually seen, seen him do the thing he does, so we have no idea if he's good. I've seen so, him play basketball. I've seen him in like uh, cricket gear. I've never seen him kick a football. Well, the first time I'll see him kick a football will be hopefully sometime soon. I actually don't know if he's in an early enrollee, so I'm not going to put that out there or not. I don't think he's enrolled yeah. yet. Uh, but regardless, I took him, and then PFF I took Ayapani Lalelu, uh, and. I thought that was solid because I like my reasoning for it. it. wasn't who was at the top of my board necessarily, but he was he was somebody I went in thinking, hey, I'll, I might take him. Um, yeah, I'll give myself I'll give myself a B plus because I think I, I I aced three categories and then I I did not do well. I really am kicking myself for where I ended up with with the media. Not that I don't think Johnny Bones could have a big role, but that was somebody who I just didn't anticipate I would take. So. You know, PFF grades you at like a ninety-five because you were really good at one thing or two things, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. other things, eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Kinda, yeah, doesn't matter. My my uh, my sleeper ex- excited watch grades are really high, but my my immediate <laughs> grade low. My I think my draft strategy grade, I think, was solid for a couple rounds, but I I I, I took a risk and it didn't pay off. Okay, um, any last <laughs> thoughts here on this before we get a little Clem talk in? I really wanted to get Ashton Cozart in there somewhere because I yeah. like him. I like yeah. his tape a lot. I think he's going to be a good player, but he just didn't really, he didn't really he fit at the top of any boards. Like I could see him. I mean, he was on my sleeper list before we determined that non-blue chip players because I see him having a really good career. But um, yeah, I'm not really sure. I don't know if I see him as a special teams guy either, but I don't know. I think he, he deserves he mention as somewhere. Uh... Yeah, I think he he would be excited or the players are exciting to to catch the ball. Like I think that's the only place where he ends up. He did return punts in high school, so there's that. I don't know if I don't think he'll be returning punts at Oregon though, because I think there's just too much competition. Um, Yeah, I'm with Jared. If he was going to slot the guy with the football, would be where he'd fit. Although, like. What he does with the football, and I'm not, this isn't trying to be critical of him as a player at all, is less exciting than what I see Dickey doing, Dowdell doing. Um, Mateo pick, doing. Mateo doing, obviously, because, I mean, if Mateo touches the ball, it's really exciting. I should have just picked well, somebody. Honestly. Good. Go ahead. Exactly. I should just pick Bryce Bolton as most excited to watch the football game. Yeah. It's really yeah, exciting if this offensive yeah. lineman got sure, the ball. Norris Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big well, G. Yeah. And yeah. honestly – the thing that I get most excited about with Cozart comes when he doesn't have the football because it's his route running and his exactly. footwork yeah. that is mm-hmm. so impressive that gets you so yeah. hyped. And then, and it, you know, when he catches he, the ball, it's like very yeah. cool, but he, well, cause he's not historically cool. a, a after the catch guy. He's a, I just burnt my uh-huh. guy and I'm now way behind the defense. Right. I'm going to catch it and walk into the end zone. So that's kind of also why he wasn't like a logical pick for. That would be exciting catch. though, to see him catch it in the end zone and be like, wow. That's, that's, a that's exciting. I guess that's, that's exciting. exciting. Yeah, Jared, Jared having yeah, you're Jared really bending or what's what what the, and it's the just of the the players decided to see have the football and Mateo Uyangale tops the list. I, it's like I, we did this last you know, year and I picked Noah Sewell. Yeah, you remember I guess, how excited yeah. people were when Noah yeah. Sewell scored? Or when Josh Connerly scored, or when Bo when Nick Josh scored. scored. Yeah. Goodbye, Neil. Yeah. Um well with Neil gone now, we can do what we really wanted to do on this podcast, which is talk about Adrian Slam. Yeah, just try, which is which is just just trash him on our podcast and yeah, have sick master set up, Neil. Sick. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, let, let's let's do some Clem talk, and he can when he rejoins, we'll we'll, we'll get his thoughts. But uh, mm-hmm. I 
learned about this as I was as I was getting the podcast set up because I slept till about eight forty five, and uh, news broke. What was that? About seven o'clock this morning, Pacific time. Eight oh five. Eight oh five. Pete Thamel. Yeah. Pete Thamel uh, tweeted out that Adrian Clam, Morgan's offensive line coach, would no longer be Oregon's offensive line coach because he's taken off. Greener pastures, Jared. What what are your thoughts on on this? We had thought, based upon what Dan Landing said five days ago, that there were no more staff moves. I think the more I think about his wording on that in, in retrospect, it's in line with what he said about not expecting anyone to opt out of the draft before Noah Sewell opted out of the draft or opted out, sorry, opted out to enter the draft and play in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't have really took him at, not that we don't want to believe him at face value, but maybe we were being naive to think that this wasn't still going to happen. Yeah. I'm, yeah, and he's just put it out. Dan put it out there originally, like, "Oh, well, we don't expect anything to happen." It's like, okay, well, we might have been probably able to see that one coming, but um, yeah, you know, this is a, de- a pretty big development for Oregon. Um, it's you know, the Patriots originally interviewed him to be their offensive coordinator, which I think caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, that quickly morphed into uh, offensive line coach position. Um, Clem was most recently with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2021 as their offensive line coach. Uh, so he has experience in the NFL being an offensive line coach. Um, you know, I think this ultimately came down to financial compensation. I really do, because that's what Thamel reported. Um, position coaches and coordinators in college usually make comparable if not more amount of money than they do in the nfl um if you're a really good head coach in the nfl you'll make significantly amount significantly more but other than that um position coaches are are kind of the way to go and that that might be because of a higher responsibility in terms of recruiting you don't have to do any of that in the nfl but um because thamel threw in the fact that he was taking a raise from oregon and he makes and Adrian Clum makes a good amount of money from Oregon. I think it's in like seven to eight hundred thousand dollars, which I think he's worth it. At, yeah, I think he's I think he's worth that at the end of the day. Um, but I think because Tham will put that in his initial report, I think that was a, a, a big a, a big factor in his recruitment to New England. And again, I I warned the audience, I warned our message board that the last couple of years as a Patriot fan. This is what the Patriots have been doing. Bill Belichick has been taking people that he knows, former players, former coaches who are on the free agency market and giving them roles in the program or not the program, in the team um, to maybe do something they're unqualified for, to maybe do something that they he knows that they can do. And it's a lot of former Patriot players. It's a lot of former Patriot personnel. And that's exactly what Adrian Clem is. So I'm not surprised at all that he took this spot with the Patriots. Zach, what do you think the impact is here for, for Oregon? I think Jared did a good job of explaining the, kind of some of the whys behind Clem leaving. But what does this do for Oregon? Because I, I think this is significant. One of the stronger mm-hmm. units is last year, obviously, and, and Clem was leading it. It's done a good job revitalizing the program with talent. You look at who's expected to start this year. A lot of those are guys he played a part in bringing here. What, what, what's kind of your take on kind of where this puts Oregon? It's a weird time of the year, too, to be trying to find a replacement coach. We're in February now. Usually you've got your kind of your staff locked down by this point. Kind of what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of tough to assess 
how good I mean Oregon was a really good offensive line last year we know that but how much of that was Clem as a coach or how much of it was the players that you know were already on the roster because Mario Cristobal I think it was a really good mesh of both of both worlds that you know led them to be one of the best offensive lines in the nation but like you said the fact that this comes so late in the cycle and that you know, I, I think it's going to be harder than normal for, for Dan Lanning to find a replacement here because, you know, a lot of the good coaches already have their jobs and they're kind of off the mm-hmm. market. But um, I think one of the biggest impacts as well is on the recruiting on the recruiting trail because, you know, Clem is a really good recruiter. I think he had a big hand in bringing Josh Connerly here. I know he got Johnny Cornelius here, Junior Angulo. Um, you know, he's he's a really good recruiter. And I know a lot of people look at, you know, the fact that Oregon didn't get a ton of blue chippers on the offensive line in the 2023 cycle, but, you know, they did really, really well in the transfer portal. And offensive line is sometimes a place where I may be more likely to want a transfer portal guy rather than a, a prep guy coming in because you have that experience. And when you've got someone like Oregon this year who is you know, hoping to make a run for the playoff, you need experience on that line. You don't need development guys that can be good in, in a couple of years. So um, I think that, yeah, this loss definitely hurts the Ducks. That's, you know, we don't need to sugarcoat that at all. It's going to be tough for them. I wish he was staying, but it's, you know, Lanning has made really good hires in the past when he's been forced to replace some of these people or just make his initial hires when he came to Oregon. So I think that a lot of Duck fans should probably feel pretty comfortable in trusting who he brings in next, that it's going to be, you know, an adequate hire and someone that really is good for them going to, going forward. Yeah, and, I, and I think the other thing to, because we're, we're talking about this before the podcast, people are so reactionary these days with anything that kind of impedes what's perceived as positive momentum. And, and this certainly doesn't, this is, as you said, not a good thing at all for the program. However, if you want to look at it from a, a positive point of view, which I'll choose to do and kind of provide that perspective, you know, he didn't leave the cupboard bare at all. Like I, I've been really on this podcast for a while you know, since they landed Cornelius and Angelau and, and retained basically everybody else that mattered on the offensive line this offseason that they could. It's obviously four players graduated. Um, just about what the potential for this line could be, even without the experience that made the last year's group so good. And I continue to think this is a group that could be very, very talented. I think there's a lot of really impressive physical tools amongst this group. As Jared said, there are multiple offensive tackle bodies that had not been the case in the last couple of years. Like TJ Bass for me has always been better as an interior offensive lineman. And yet he was their best left tackle. And that was, there was no argument around it. There was no way of, I think Bass would have rather played inside. I think if Clem could figure out a rotation that worked, he would have preferred to have Bass inside, but they didn't have the body. So what do they do this offseason? They went out, they got Cornelius, who's a proven right tackle. They're developing Connerly, who's a, a really high-end upside left tackle. And then George Silva, um, who, who, dang it, Jared, you stole him in, the, in, our, in our draft we just did, <laughs> is somebody who, who, sure also, who fits the bill as a, as, a, as, a, as a prototypical offensive tackle body type. So the cover is not bare. I think there's a, a ton of talent still on this roster and I think in the short term it's not going to be something that kills you at least from who is from a personnel perspective where you do get some concerns is, is, is who are you replacing with as you said Zach who are you able to bring in and, and what kind of a coach are they from a player development perspective from a culture perspective from an in-game kind of making adjustments perspective all of those sort of things from a mentorship perspective that's kind of the area you just don't know and you also don't really know with Clem as you kind of pointed to Zach of like this was going to be a big year to kind of define his 
job as kind of a developer and an, like those some of those things like we knew he was a good recruiter we knew he did a really good job with a really high end group this last year this year, upcoming season i think we all expect a lot of talents there but it is unproven to a certain degree and Clem would have had an opportunity to sort of prove himself. Now, whoever gets this job um, going forward will, will, will be kind of put in a position where, where they get to prove themselves with, again, I think a lot of talent there, but we've never seen these. Most of these guys we haven't seen play at Oregon, and we certainly haven't seen them play as a, as a cohesive five before. Mm-hmm. I think – I've got a question. I don't know. Go ahead, Jared. Go ahead. No, I, know, go. I was just going to – I was going to say a little tidbit and then maybe go on a rant. So, so Neil, you, you ask the question first and then I'll go on a rant. Do you think this has any impact in transfer portal or players moving in or out because Clem is now gone? Well, I was going to, I was going to mention that this is a good timing if you're Oregon because kids can't enter the transfer portal right now. So mm-hmm. someone, this coach is going to leave and, until spring football, until after spring football, until they go through a full spring football with the new offensive line coach and either learn that they like him or not, um, then they announce that they're going to transfer. So I think, yeah, this could probably have some transfer impact down the road, but it certainly isn't going to happen right now because it just can't. So I think um, maybe Clem did Oregon a favor here. Uh, The timing of this is like, I don't know if this is the right, but it's like entrapment. Like these these students are enrolled. Their position coach leaves. They can't go anywhere till May. They're forced to be. I, no. I'm just joking. Like I don't think anyone's being held hostage at all. But like it is a weird thing where where Jared's right. Like yeah, there if there might, I mean I, I imagine Even if they wanted to. <laughs> I imagine that the, that there's a level of disappointment amongst Cornelius and Angelau, who obviously signed up in part to play under Clem. Um, maybe even Connerly, who obviously was recruited by him. Other players who've been brought in. However, there's not the there's not an opportunity right now for them to take off, and that gives you, for Oregon's sake, three months about here to let those emotions maybe die down, and then go through spring, have whoever that new replacement coach is, maybe prove to those guys what the vision is that 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 this is a coach you want to play for, um, and just sell themselves on it. But now you do, I think that that is going to be something we're wondering when we get back into. Mm-hmm to May of is, is anybody jump ship from, from that offensive line group that maybe was a Clem guy that no longer likes whoever the replacement is quite as much. All right. I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here real quick. Rant away. I've seen a, I've seen a lot of people on the social media universe, which again is not the best place to take my, uh, my poll of the general Oregon fan population's opinions. Um, a lot of folks are upset about the constant turnover here at Oregon. Um, I just want to say, I think it's accelerated to the point. Thank you, Eric, for the the banner. It's accelerated to the point where it's hard to comprehend because Oregon loses a coaching staff last or before last season. So everybody's in and then everybody's out. And now a whole new staff comes in. So that's a lot of turnover right there. Um, Yeah. In years past, there has also been some turnover, but it's been in a lot of constant flux. And I understand that, um, you know, Oregon fans are used to, you guys included like the Mike Bellotti eras where guys are just chilling there for 10 to 15 years. That's just never going to happen anymore. It doesn't happen in nearly any industry on earth anymore. And maybe it's because we're in the um, like the instant gratification and and click satisfaction era of, of time, but it's just not going to happen. And so that being said, the the coaches who have left Oregon staff this off season, Kenny Dillingham, uh, Matt Pallage and now Adrian Clem, they've all upgraded 
I don't see why this is a problem. Kenny Dillingham goes to become a head coach, Matt Powell's defensive coordinator, and Clem back to the Patriots to be an NFL offensive line coach. Yeah. Um, those are all upgrades. And I always try to put myself in, in those people's shoes. And it's like, what would I do? It's like, hell yeah, I'm going to go upgrade my career path. And then uh, I'll, I'll, I also get to make more money. Darn rats. Um, this is just going to keep happening. It happens to every yeah. program in the country. And I know that you can point to how Washington's offensive coordinator turned down the Alabama offensive coordinator, which yeah, that's an upgrade. But guess what? If Washington has another good season, that uh, Ryan Grubb is going to be a head coach, and that's even more of an upgrade. And in Alabama, you might need a year or two because right now if you go to Alabama, they don't have a clear quarterback. So maybe it's going to take a year or two there at Alabama to get a head coaching position, even though it's just one at Washington. So there are ways to counteract what I'm trying to say and point out obvious, obvious people who have stayed multiple years at other Pac-12 programs. But if someone offers you the right position, no matter what career path you're in, you're taking it. And it's funny that people don't think that they wouldn't. I'm, I'm curious to see what the what they target, who they target. Like, what's 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 kind of the type of person they look at? Um, there are, I guess, in theory, there there is an internal candidate. Um, I'm trying to pull up his full name here because it's a hard one to pronounce. Um, one second here. I'm pulling it up. He's an analyst. He's been working with Clem for the last couple of years. Viani? Uh, yeah, Viani Talamayaveo. Yeah, he just uh, took he the... leave. He, he left to well. go to what? Northern Arizona, NAU? I think. Yeah. But, yeah. He's the well coach there now. If I bring him up is because you could argue from a continuity perspective, bringing him back, he's not, he's going to take an Oregon job over remaining at NAU in theory, right? That's a, that, that's a name to sort of know that was a person who'd been here for a couple of years. Um, it's just a weird time, as we've said, in terms of, of trying to compo- compose a list because these coaches are all kind of locked in right now. So you're going to have to essentially steal somebody from another power five school. Um, or I, I was thinking Viani cause that's a level of, there's a level of continuity there, but, I, I don't know if that's the path they want to go shoot. You know, I guess we, I haven't done the process of going through all of Dan's prior workplaces and who might be available that he has history with there. I haven't gone and seen who like shoot Will Stein's offensive line coach at UTSA might be a really great coach that he wants to bring on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like these are the kind of things you have to kind of wonder, um, you know, is there, is there anybody that Carlos Lachlan knows from Florida state or Memphis? Is there anybody, you know, junior Adams knows from his times at Washington and all these different places. So those are the kind of paths you kind of wonder where they'll go. But for me, I don't know if there's like a, cause sometimes these jobs open and you go like, ah, this is the person that makes so much sense. I don't know if there's somebody for me right now that fits that. Is there anybody for either of you that just jumps off the screen? You go like, there's, this is who they should hire. I don't think so. I mean, when, the, when the, Clem News came out, I thought about Vianney right away and I was like, oh, that mm-hmm. would have been awesome if he was still in Oregon. And I don't I don't know the logistics if he could turn around to NAU and be like, oh no, I'm actually not gonna come. I'm gonna go back there and take good. the OL coach. I think it, it may be possible. I don't know if I mean I don't I don't know him I personally at all. Possible. I don't know if that's 100%. in his character that he would want to do that. That yeah. seems kind of I know I would feel slighted as an NAU fan to see that happen, but um, real quick, I wanted to make a point on what Jared was saying. Um, this whole, this whole coaches moving on thing so quickly, I think honestly, it's a, 
in a sense, it's a benefit for the program because it's going to get more coaching talent to Eugene because they see these coaches come to Eugene and have a year or two of success and then go on and move up and level up and find even better jobs. And I think that in the long run, it's going to get you a lot better coaching talent and make it more, you know, attractive job in Eugene. And so I know while it's, it's frustrating to have happen three times with three really good coaches in one off season, like I think that in the end, you kind of got to take a, a bird's eye view of this and see that it actually is, this is a problem that the best teams in college football have. I mean, Alabama deals with this every off season, Georgia deals with this pretty often. So, you know, it's kind of just the part of the game and, and Dan Lanning has said that this offseason. He's like, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'm always encouraging coaches to go find better positions. Like, I want to be that type of program that that lifts these guys up and gets them to, to newer and better spots. So, um, yeah, as we often say on both your podcast and, and my podcast, fans just need to chill a little bit and, and notice that Dan yeah. Lanning uh, knows what he's doing and that this is not kind of, inc- not kind of insane to be happening. Yeah, and to... to- point off of that real quick if guys were never leaving Oregon it means that nobody wants them and there's got to be some sort of an issue there and yes another another good one um I love I love I I, I, they should take away this function for me it's way too dangerous for you yeah yeah I get so distracted (laughs) with the possibility of throwing a fake like CNN banner at the bottom of the screen (laughs) just yeah I I was just wanted to keep going off that where you know, if you're, if you're Oregon and these guys are getting poached all the time, it's fine. Like Neil said, you bring in talent. You bring in guys who are talented who understand that if they do well, similar to how it is in an SEC program, then you can get a head coaching job or you can get an upgrade of whatever position coach you are. Um, and schools recognize your talents and they see you on national television all the time and your, your team is good. Um, I think it's a win-win for Oregon. I know that it's frustrating that um, this happens and it's happened a lot in the last couple of years. It happened under Mario a lot. I think the only guy who really never left was Alex Mirabal, but those guys are, you know, attached at the hip together. Um, I guess it would be like shoulder and hip for Cristobal and Mirabal, but um, <laughs> no disrespect Alex, but it's just how, I mean, just how it would work. Um, a yeah, I just think it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. These things are going to happen. It's going to continue to happen. I don't think it's a bad thing that it's happening for the exact reasons that Neil said. It's more talent coming to the program. I think that's fine. And until Dan Lanning um, screws up his hires and, and uh, you know, PC word to use there, um, I think you just got to, you know, trust him there. I think it's fine. Yeah, it, it, we'll wrap here just, but I, this is what I said. I don't remember what the context of what it was, but on a recent podcast of how you should expect a dozen or more transfers out each year. And you should expect mm-hmm. two to three coaches to leave too. And that should just be what you're anticipating. I know it hurts when it's coaches that are, are, are pretty vital and I got pretty high up the pecking order in terms of the hierarchy on staff like that. It's not ideal when you lose your offensive coordinator, arguably your second or third in command on offense, your second in command, probably on defense with college behind Lou Poy. Um, but as we've established, that's really not, not that outlandish. It's not that unreasonable. This is not, to me, uh, in, any sign of cultural issues, of people not liking to working with Dan. Everybody who has coached under Dan Lanning has talked so much about how much they like coaching under Dan Lanning. That was what 
Um, you know, when Chris Hampton spoke to Joey Mack on the in-house show last week, he said the number one thing he that kind of stood out about this opportunity was to work for Dan Lanning, somebody who it sounds like he had some sort of a relationship with, but not not a very long, maybe, I don't know, very intimate relationship, but somebody that they know from, you know, coaching circles. So I, I'm not at all concerned. I think that the just with the big picture of their last three coaches this offseason, I do think we'll now have to kind of see what they do uh, with this replacement. But short term, this season, the talent is there, barring a mass mm-hmm. exodus after spring, which I don't think anybody should anticipate taking place, even though I'm sure there are now Oregon fans that will talk themselves into stressing about that happening. All right. That's going to do it for us on uh, this Monday morning Ots and Audible's podcast. Thank you very much to Zach Neal of Duckswire for jumping in and joining us on our debut draft. Maybe we'll get this exercise going again uh, sometime next year. Uh, Absolutely. Jer- Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, I can't believe this is your first time on the show. Matt, hey, Matt, I've been Matt. waiting for the call. First you, and last. Just put out the this is it, signal. Neil. Yeah, that's it. Because yeah. Yeah, I killed you guys. Yeah, I yeah, killed you yeah. guys on the draft <laughs> exercise, so you aren't bringing me back. Yeah, 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 that's a good point. We 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 don't want him. We don't want the ringer back. We need more. Uh, yeah, we'll figure somebody out. Jared Denny would probably. We could have kicked his ass on the draft. I don't know why we didn't invite yeah. him. That was a mistake. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but for uh, for Zach, for Jared, and myself, thanks for listening to Sots and Idols podcast, and we will talk to you folks later. Peace. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.